This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What up, guys? Dr. Vic here and excited to have you on. As always, if you have not already, please subscribe to the podcast. It's going to not help you not miss another episode. As we just hit last episode was our 400th episode. Been doing this for over four years and uh, very excited for that milestone. And uh, we're looking forward to the next hundred. Who we're going to interview? What conversations we're going to have? What am I going to be bringing to the podcast and so much more? And I just look forward to the continued growth of this. And I want to just thank you for all my subscribers, for all my listeners, uh, for tuning in. This has been a one a, a beautiful journey. It's a labor of love. I love podcasting. I love doing it. And um, if you couldn't tell with the four hundred episodes, but I want to just thank you for you know tuning in. And if you like this episode. Pay it forward by just sharing it with one person, one person you may that may know that benefit from this and so much more. Before we get into the uh, who my guest is today, I don't know if you noticed, but we have a new website. Uh, this website is designed just for the podcast. I used to have it tied into my business website, and we finally separated it. We came out with an Instagram page uh, where you can catch reels of our podcast stories of who we're going to be interviewing, who we interviewed, so you'll know who's coming up in the next two to three months, because right now anyone that we interview is usually about a three month process to releasing. And uh, you guys get a little glimpse of that. And in the next month, end of September, we're actually going to be having uh, a paid subscriber service for those who want to get exclusive access to 
these interviews, you don't have to wait. You will get them live. And uh, you'll also have additional, any podcast that we do will be live via the interviews. And uh, like I said, we're doing, um, next week I have five interviews I'll be doing. And if you're, if we have, when we do the paid subscriber stuff, you will get to listen to all five anytime you want. You get the raw footage of it and it, it will be, and you get some behind the scenes with the author and so forth, or the, the person that I'm interviewing. So it's going to be a little different. We're going to be uh, adding that into the mix. So keep a lookout. This is why it's important to subscribe to the podcast. You don't miss it. Subscribe on the website. Um, that's where you can get updated with all our updates that we have and so much more. So uh, when it comes to that. So that's where we are, guys. Um, so this guest is someone who's very dear to me. It's someone who I do not see just as a cousin. As, I don't even see as a brother. I see him just as someone um, who's just very dear, who I appreciate, who I love, who I've known for uh, pretty much my whole life. He's, I'm a just slightly a little over a year older than him. And yet I've known him ever since then. His mom's my first cousin. And uh, we grew up in the same town and, and so much more. And uh, I just love seeing the full circle of life when I see people who I knew growing up are successful. It just, it really warms my heart and I get really excited for them. And I'm, I'm like a cheerleader for them. I'm very excited, big fan and so forth. And today I get to get the chance to have a conversation with one of my amazing people in my inner circle, Pasquale Didiana. And we talked a lot about life in many different ways. Posh really shared a very full detailed story of his, of, of his life and his upbringing. And there's so many things that you can extrapolate from that story that can really just, you know, see the choices he made, the struggles he went, how he went one way, then he went another way. And I just love how he fully explained it in such deep detail to really, um, you know, grasp from that. And we talked about, you know, he looking at how to reinvent yourself. You're going one way and then you decide to go into another direction. How did he get into the pizza business? How did he, you know, become successful in what he's doing today and so much more? Now he's a pizza coach and so much more. So excited to dive into this. I promise this is going to be enlightening. You will be enlightened just by his story alone, let alone the lessons and the nuggets we talk about afterwards. But just really quick before we get there, um, who is Pasquale Didiana? Posh is a, uh, I say Posh for short, Pasquale is an entrepreneur, speaker, and author. As a lifelong restaurateur, he is experienced as a culmination of restaurant oper operations, development, and most notably specialization in startups. He has been involved in more than 30 openings to date. Pasquale was the architect and driving force for his family's two prominent restaurant chains in the Chicagoland area, the Slice Factory and Batsy Pizzeria, of which he currently owns six locations. Uh, he is reoccurring, featured in Pizza Today magazine for his experience and expertise as an operator and a regular highlighted speaker at the International Pizza Expo in Las Vegas, the world's largest trade show for the industry, at which Pasquale passionately leads seminars alongside other prominent industry leaders to guide and inspire new and existing store operators from all over the world. He's the real deal, folks. So without any further ado, here is Mr. Pasquale Didiana. Mr. Pasquale Didiana, welcome to the show. Hey, Vic, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm excited to have you on. For the listeners, this is somebody who's been part of my life for what, 37 years? Because you're almost, no, you're going to, how old are you going to be turning now? 38, right? I will be 38 in September. And I, you have me beat, right? I have you beat. So it'll be almost 38 years on September 20th. You've been in my life. Yep. 
long time. Uh, See, I'll always, I'll always be chasing you. Never be able to catch up to you. See that? I love it. At least on the age side, I could say. <laughs> on the age side, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, you know, excited to have you on. There's so much we're going to discuss. So much to have. You, you've been on my mind for a while to have on here, and I'm finally just like said, that's enough. We got to get you on here. So, um, I'd love to hear for the listeners your story of what got you into what you're doing today, and 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 we'll take it from there. Yeah, thanks. Like, I mean, it's such a a complicated. Well, like everyone's life, certain things bring you one way, and then you end up in another place that that kind of catapults you to something else. So, I'll tell you that um, you know I was uh, born in the Chicagoland area, and uh, grew up in the same neighborhood as uh, as Victor. And then uh, completed second grade after second grade, my family moved to Italy from, um, so I did third, fourth, and fifth grade. And actually, I did second, I repeated second grade. I did second, third, fourth, and fifth grade in Italy. And then my family chose to, uh, to move back to the States. Things didn't, things didn't go as they planned in Italy. And then um, I, uh, I grew up and spent the rest of my life in the Chicagoland area. Um, my father opened up his first business in 1998, uh, Pizzeria, July 4th, 1998 in Berwyn, Illinois. And me being the eldest of five, I was uh, the de facto um, son that had to help run the family business at 12 years old. So that's when I started working. And uh, that was my introduction into the food service industry, the pizzeria industry. And I uh, absolutely Loved it from day one. It was uh, it was a pride thing. I was working for my family. I was working with my family. I was helping my father. Um, I handled a lot of responsibilities throughout the years. I was you know twelve when he first got the restaurant, but all throughout high school I was uh, I was working. Uh, a lot of times I was forced to work. A lot of weekends. Uh, eventually, my father, after two three years of getting the business going, and then uh, me being a little bit older, I would handle the Sunday shift as the manager, so he could have one day off, which for three, four years, he didn't prior to that. And it was something I took very, very great pride in. But, uh, you know, my family, because my father was able to spend a day with his, his family, but obviously not with me. But I kind of looked at that as my um, my obligation, my part of, uh, of what I was doing to repay my parents back for everything that they've, uh, they've done for me my whole life. Anyways, it was something, though, that I really was uh, passionate about and I really loved, service, the food service industry. My whole family, so my father's brother was in the business before my father. He actually got my father to start. Um, everyone started succeeding around that time in the uh, early 2000s, and uh, they started expanding. So my father asked me, uh, my senior year of high school, what's, what's your plan? What do you want to do? And uh, I was a little torn between, you know, all my friends were, were looking into colleges and taking their college visits, which I had done a couple as well. I did pretty good on my ACTs, but um, in retrospect, I don't know if it was because I felt uh, I really wanted, uh, I don't know. I guess I don't know what the reason was, but uh, I chose not to go to college. Well, I did like a half a semester of community college, but I chose not to, to go to, away to a university and I chose to, uh, to stay and help my father. But I said, let's, let's start opening up more stores. So that's the time uh, after I graduated high school, we opened up uh, a few more stores Anyways, long story short, that's how I got involved in the restaurant business with my father. And uh, with him, we, uh, I helped him open up, I think it was uh, 
six or seven stores by the time that I left him and then started my own business. Back to a very important fact. Um, when I took that half semester of uh, college, because I signed up late, there wasn't too many uh, classes available. One of them, though, was a theater class. So here I was, and you know, we grew up in these uh, small Italian-American blue-collar neighborhood. None of us were taking theater classes uh, growing up. So here I was in community college taking a, uh, a theater class, and I really, out of the two, three classes that I was taking, uh, I really fell in love with the theater uh, and with performing. I kind of learned that I had, uh, I had a little talent in that area as well. Uh, and maybe in retrospect, Vic, you know, you grew up with me too. Maybe you could say, well, yeah, you kind of always did have uh, a talent in entertaining and, uh, and doing things. But anyways, I fell in love with the theater. I had no patience for college. I wanted to make money. I wanted to work. I wanted to help my family grow. So, um, but I did love performing. So I took it up kind of like as a, as a side thing. And uh, I started taking improv classes in the city. And then I enrolled in uh, an acting conservatory in the city. Uh, Act One Studios at the time. So now the timeline is I was 20. Yeah, I was 20, taking improv, and I started auditioning for a lot of stuff in the Chicagoland area. I did some student films, nothing really, really big, but I auditioned for, it was the uh, Tony and Tina's Wedding. It's uh, an improv play. They still have a, a production in Las Vegas and all over the country. They do some tours, but Chicago had the longest running uh, Tony and Tina's at the time. And... Um, I auditioned for Tony and Tina's. I was 20 years old and uh, I was really dumbfounded that they, they cast me as uh, a very, very small role. It was like uh, a waiter at this uh, event at the wedding. But um, the really nice thing about Tony and Tina's wedding was number one, the recognition of the production. Everybody knew Tony and Tina's. It was a big part to be cast in the show. But number two, Tony and Tina's was a five day a week show. So they had shows Wednesday through Sunday, twice on Saturday. And then they would have matinees once in a while. So with improv uh, acting, not scripted, a lot of your skills become developed with repetition and just practicing. So I was literally had a first hands-on education into acting doing this show um, six, days a, uh, six times a week, five days, six times a week. Needless to say, I, uh, from one of those, uh, from basically, you know, your starting role, I, uh, I got offered, I was the understudy to like one of the main roles. And then that quickly went into, I remember one day looking at the schedules, the director never really talked to me. And he put me as an understudy to Tony, which is the title role. So here I am now. I wasn't even uh, 21 at the time. And I was understudying uh, Tony for Tony and Tina's wedding. Not one day of college education, not one day of formal college training, um, going up as an understudy for this lead role in this big Chicago production. And you got to remember at the time, the guys that were doing the lead for Tony carrying on this big production, these were like 30 year old, late twenties graduates. Some of them had their masters in acting. And here comes this little kid from Melrose Park who's, uh, who's understudying to play Tony. And then I went on to play Tony for, I think it was about, uh, three months and, um, and I really just had, a really great time. I got to tour with the company. We did shows all over the Midwest. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, when that year cycle hit, I was 21. Uh, it was, you kind of felt like a rock star down there because there was people from all over 
America that would come to Chicago. And, you know, that was just, it was a, a lot of tourists ended up going to the show. It was a big attraction in Chicago. Um, so after the show, Tony, and even when I wasn't playing Tony, one of the other characters, the other groomsmen in the show, you stayed out after you did like a meet and greet with the, with the audience. And, you know, there was a lot of bachelorette parties. There was a lot of, uh, whatever. So needless to say, and it was in old town, which was a very, very nice, uh, neighborhood, a lot of nightclubs, a lot of bars. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of good times going on there. Those were my college years. I call them, um, my work slacked a little bit, but I had kind of chosen to go down this path and, uh, and begin acting. So that was uh, Tony and Tina's. And then after Tony and Tina's, I, um, you know, I, I just knew it was time to move on. You didn't want to get stuck there for, for longer than a year. You kind of wanted to now take that momentum and, and try to do something else. So I began writing at the time as well. Um, and I kind of noticed, uh, oh, I kind of got a, a, pretty, a skill for this. Not only a skill, more importantly, I had a passion for it. I really enjoyed writing. So I started writing short stories, short scripts, a lot of improv stuff, nothing that really materialized, but I, I started doing that. And then in the meantime, I got back to the acting conservatory um, and auditioning. And uh, I did a, a production. Uh, it was with the Griffin Theater. I was cast. It was uh, an adaptation of Letters Home, which was a documentary. This was after the uh, war in Iraq. There's a documentary about soldiers and Marines that were first deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan during the war. And the playwright, Bill Masolia, who's still the artistic director at the theater, he adapted from this documentary some of these letters and made them into monologues to be performed in this production. But they were inter interweaving and just very, very powerful. And every actor that was casted, that was cast in this production, you took on the role of three different uh soldiers and you get to see their journey from beginning middle end their arc based off the letters that they wrote their families back home that's why it was called letters home very powerful documentary if you ever watch it and the um the production the stage production which wasn't a big deal but in, in the beginning griffin wasn't a big theater company at the time but bill received so many accolades uh because of this adaptation in the production we were just recommended we got best reviews from all the best theater critics and uh it was probably, you know, Tony and Tina's was, uh, was great because of the, you know, the experience and the attention, but the Letters Home production with, um, with the Griffin Theater Company was uh, artistically the most, uh, the most amazing thing I've ever done. I mean, I've done a lot of other shows as well, a lot of other uh, plays at the time, but I'm just talking about the two biggest things, the two most notable things. Um, and then they did a national tour of, um, of Letters Home with the Griffin Theater Company which went to, I forgot how many states, including Hawaii, and I wasn't able to do it um, because then, again, with work, my focus kind of went on work. My father needed some more help. They were opening up stores. So I wasn't able to commit and go on the road as long as they uh, wanted us to go on the road. Plus, Vic, here's the other thing, too, with me. I always wanted to make money. That was always a driving force with me. I didn't want to, you know, I hated struggling. You know, I grew up struggling. Um, you know, when, uh, when we were younger, I never wanted to be the guy that if I wanted something. I wanted to be able to get it. I never wanted to, to not be able to have something, if that makes sense. So, um, then in 2005, yeah, 2005, a screenplay I wrote me and uh, a friend of mine who was uh, just graduated film school and a cousin of mine who was, uh, in film school as well. We decided to, uh, to produce a feature-length film that I wrote the screenplay for. 
and uh, so I started, acted, and, uh, and produced a feature film that was released in 2006. We actually, at the time, Netflix was, it wasn't a new thing, but it was pretty new. And we actually got distribution. I never made a penny on this. I actually lost a lot of money on the film and I never got any attention. I never launched uh, anybody's career. But um, the film, actually, we received distribution through Netflix at the time. Now, Netflix at the time wasn't streaming. It was still the DVD service where you would have to, you would have a queue and then they would send you three DVDs and then you would send them back and they'd send you three other DVDs. It was a different system than the streaming. But the streaming portion of it was just starting to be launched. I didn't even know what streaming was back then. Needless to say, we missed the boat on the streaming because we didn't have the means, the finances to, to give them what they needed on time. So we still were with them through this DVD service, but we weren't able to stream. And that's when Netflix really began streaming and everything went uh, online. So nothing really came of the film. Um, we did have another distribution deal with uh, a company. It was a seven-year deal. And uh, they were mostly involved in like Eastern Europe and uh, some parts of the Middle East as well. Again, never really uh, made a penny off that. Not sure uh, what happened with the film out there. But that was, um, that was the, uh, the extent of that. Then I had another screenplay that I was writing and I was going to start producing. But um, then I decided to fall in love and meet uh, the woman of my dreams, the love of my life. And then life kind of took a turn and I really focused on trying to, to build a, a future financially uh, for myself. And, and I saw what I was uh, good at, which was the restaurant business. So we started our first restaurant, my wife and I, in 2010. Um, and uh, we've grown ever since. We have, uh, we have six restaurants now, we're opening up another two. So over the years, you know, I've kind of focused on, on building restaurants and all that. Take it to where the two, where the passion meets what you do well, and you got to find the sweet spot in your life. I was always um, a very good student, uh, not a classroom student, but a life student. I've always been very, very observant. I've always tried to learn from as many people as I possibly can. I love biographies. Um, so I, I do read. And nowadays with video, there's so much really good educational video content, podcasts, etc. Um, but the pizza industry has a, um, their biggest event of the year in Las Vegas every year. It's called the pizza expo where people, pizza operators from all over the world go and, um, attend different seminars. There's uh, presentations from different distributors and different, uh, equipment companies and different food product companies. And anyways, it's kind of like the Super Bowl for the pizza industry. And I started going I want to say right around, I think 2011 might have been my first time going to the Pizza Expo. And I remember going to, um, at the time, Vic, it was uh, two seminars that I remember vividly. One of them was a seminar taught by, the gentleman's name was Doug Fairman out of Boston, who owned a bunch of pizza by the slice shops, which is very similar to what we do in Chicago. So his seminar really, really helped me because I kind of, was in that field, but he was teaching, you know, he taught a lot of stuff that, uh, that, that I was able to implement right away and took a lot from. And the other gentleman that I kind of fell into half of the seminar was the first one I ever saw. His name was David Scott Peters. Uh, David Scott Peters taught a, um, he's a restaurant coach and he teaches more of the mathematical side and the business end of business, but he integrates what a restaurant tour should be doing 
really, really big into numbers and systems. And David is a very, very funny guy too. He, so he delivers his stuff with, with wit and with humor and he's just amazing. Uh, he really, really blew me away. So those were the two ones I really, really remember going to my first two seminars. The year after when I went to the seminar, when I went to the Pizza Expo, um, I don't know what kind of got in me, Vic. And I just, you know, after one of the, uh, it might've been the keynote, I was walking out and I saw this guy and I kind of tell he was in charge. And his name was uh, Bruce. And um, was not, he's, he's not with the show anymore. Anyways, I introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Paul from Chicago. At the time, I think we only owned one pizza place. We're going into two. No, yeah, we opened up our second. And I said, I'm Pasquale from Chicago. Uh, and he said, hi, this is Bill. He was in charge of the whole expo at the time. And I said, very nice to meet you. I said, hey, Bill, I'm a speaker. You know, what can I do to... Um, to uh, get on stage and, uh, and speak at, uh, at the event. And he goes, well, here's my card. Email me. Let me know what you would like to speak about. And, uh, and uh, we'll see what we can do. And I said, okay. And I walked away. I don't know how I ran into this guy. I don't know how he even took his time to give me his business card, Vic. But then I caught myself um, at the hotel room that night. And uh, I'm sorry, at the hotel lobby bar. And I was sitting there with my wife and I'm like, oh my God. And I looked over and David Scott Peters uh, was, uh, was sitting right next to us, you know? And, uh, and he had a little crowd. He kind of, not a superstar, but a lot of people know him. So he gets a lot of attention at these events. And she goes, well, you should go introduce yourself to him. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Anyways, one thing led to another. I did end up going to introduce myself. Next thing you know, he has a big passion for uh, stand-up comedy and improv. That's what he always wanted to do with his life as well. And then uh, we just we just really, really hit it off. And we were having, and you know me, Vic, when I start having a good time, we start having beers or we start drinking scotch or wine. We, it, uh, you know, we end up having a really good night. Needless to say, I, uh, I kept in contact with him and he knew what I really wanted to do now. Something was calling me on on this stage. Uh, and he just gave me a lot of advice. He said, if this guy gave you his card, you have to, you have to make sure you email him, but make sure, you know, don't come off like an amateur. And you told this guy, you're a speaker. I said, I know I'm not, he goes, but that's fine. But you told him you are. So make yourself sound like a speaker. Okay. So anyways, long story short, I emailed Bruce. I don't know how I was able to convince him. So the year after, cause they do plan this all year, the year after, uh, I was my first time on stage at the expo, but I was part of a panel. So they have like you know the moderator and three people on a panel, and it was restaurant startups at the time. Now, mind you, I had only started. I think by that time I was on my third restaurant, but my experience was opening up the restaurants with my dad and my uncle. So at the time, between my father's stores, my stores, and my uncle's stores, there was over fifteen stores that I had my uh, had experience in opening. So I was on this panel. And uh, I go to sit down, and who am I sitting next to, Vic? Doug Fairman, the guy that's taught that slice uh, pizza by the slice uh, seminar, which was the, the first one I saw. Uh, David Scott Peters, till this day, is my biggest mentor in this space, meaning the speaking space and the writing space. I, uh, he just came out with his book. I just saw him in Vegas again. He came to attend my seminar. Um, and... Uh, and then I was sitting next to Doug Fairman at the time, which was the guy um, I first saw on stage. That was just my panel. Um, the year after that, they invited me back to do a couple more panels. And then 
eventually they gave me my own seminar training to be a restaurant owner, which was uh, a dream come true for me for a few reasons. And this is why I say passion leading you to where it leads you and life is a crazy thing. Well, I actually got to write, design, and then perform my whole 90-minute uh, seminar on training to be a restaurant owner. So I was able to get back on stage in front of a live audience again. You know, there was, there was usually over at least 150 people at these things. And um, that was my first seminar. And now I, I'm pretty much a regular uh, at their seminars, teaching different seminars. But um, what the... Um, and then back to the point of uh, what I was saying, I was talking to, um, oh, the pizza, they came out to Chicago. They wanted to do a feature on me. And, and the, so the Pizza Expo works with Pizza Today Magazine, which is Pizza Today Magazine is the biggest international pizza publication. So anybody in the industry knows these two things that I'm just talking about. So Pizza Today comes out to do a piece on me. And uh, I'm sitting there with the editor actually came out. And I said, hey, Denise, how does someone start you know, writing for the magazine and then she kind of explained the process and then uh you know little did i know then she goes why do you write and i said well i've never written an article but you know anyway she assigned me an article and uh the article did very very well and now i'm a regular uh so now i'm a published author in their magazine i'm a regular uh i write my regular column for the magazine so and i still obviously do the uh open up the restaurants and, and do the restaurant so that's kind of like my my journey at uh, how I got to where I'm at at this point in my life. Does that answer your questions? Did I talk too much? Oh, you, no, you're good. It's one of, there's so much, there's so much I can extrapolate from your story. And it's like, I'll start with the end and kind of work in the middle then. Like, but one thing you did is like, here's somebody, right. And I forgot his name. Was it Dean? No, it wasn't Dean. Peter, Dean Peterson. Yeah. David Scott Peterson. David Scott Peterson. There we go. And he's at, you're at, you're, you're, you're at the Peters, plate. I'm sorry. Yeah, David Scott Peters. There we go. I must. I got that intertwined with the other one, and the no, guy no from Boston. But mm-hmm. here it is. You reach. You know, you're just there, and it's like, oh man, I should I should I not right? And we hesitate. I've been there before. I know how that feels because I look and say, well, this person's. I don't know if you thought this right. This is how I thought my self worth was low. Is usually uh, I used to have a low, very low self worth, and so I'm like, that's a millionaire. That's a very successful person. What the heck are they going to want to do with? Nah, they got they got other people to talk to, and yet you went. Had a conversation. Boom. Look what happens. Same thing happens. You reached out with the magazine. You're like, hey, what do I have to do to be a, a writer for this? Right. And, you know, a lot of times we we have those concepts in our life where sometimes we don't do that reach out because we're wor- we, we're worried about the rejection. But what we don't focus on is what can happen if it happens the other way. What, you know, everyone's always saying, what, what if it doesn't work out? Well, what if it does work out? What if it does go the other way? And look how that happened yeah. a couple of times for you already. Yeah, it did. Um, you know, it's funny because that that fear kind of paralyzes us, right? That that fear of rejection, that fear of whatever. When in all essence, if I would have reached out, um, say, you know, I just wrote an article. Uh, we spoke about it earlier, but I just wrote an article uh, for Pizza Today. And um, I said, you know what, let me, I needed some help, some some different perspectives to help me fill this article. So I reached out to like, some of the biggest names in the pizza industry and uh, not thinking that they would ever get back to me. Um, but I, you know, I ended up getting two of them on, on the phone for, for our interviews like we were talking and see for me now it's become, and this is where I think people in life just have to understand. Don't be scared to, to ask for something because if somebody says no, 
then you're back at where you were before. Like, it's not really going to hurt you, you know? Um, but something happens along the way for us, for us humans where, you know, that, that, that not even the rejection itself, it's that fear of being rejected stings so much that we'd rather not even take that chance and jump off that cliff and see what happens. Um, and, and I'll tell you, it might've been with me, the acting, you know, me getting into acting, we, I spoke about some of the roles that I did get, but I didn't speak about the countless roles I didn't. So any actor that's been out there, you know, I mean, you know, you're playing the numbers out of every 100 auditions, you might get one part. You might get one part. So just think of getting rejected that much time. So an actor literally, and it's really, really hard because actors are very sensitive people. I'm a very, very sensitive person, but actors have to learn how to deal with rejection constantly. And I had to kind of learn how to do that. Um, you know, going on auditions, you know, you just kind of go on audition, you're prepared, you do your best, and then you leave it there and you move on. You can't just worry about it. If it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, does it. And same thing. Um, and same thing with me, with anything else, not only in, you know, my speaking career, but even in my business career, career, like, you know, I've gotten my biggest accounts simply by picking up the phone and, and asking for it or going to, going to ask for it. You'd be surprised the more you ask for something, the more you ask someone for something, the more you ask the universe for something, the more you ask God for something, the more you actually receive it, you know? And if you don't receive it, it's okay. You just keep on moving on and keep on being you and trying to be the best version of you. But that fear of, uh, that fear of, uh, of rejection, I see it all the time. And I've seen it with me at different points in my life. Uh, and I see it with other people. It's like, um, you know, it really holds you back. And like you said, well, instead of focusing on, you know, what if they say no, but what, what if they do say yeah? And sometimes just like in that acting world, it might be that one audition out of 100 or 200, but it might be that one biggest thing of your lifetime that you were put on this world to do. So being prepared is something that uh, is very, very important because you never know when an opportunity, your opportunity, your time it is going to come um, to do what you need to do. And it's also that thing, too, because you, you look at you hear the stories all the time. Oh, this this overnight success or this person that was absolutely stunning where we can, you you know, we're, 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 we, I know you're a big Chicago fan. I remember I think it was Posh. It was eighth grade. They won the championship and I think it was their third we were 98. Right. Yes. Yeah, so we're eighth grade. And uh, I had some fireworks for my dad had fireworks he used to get and we blew some off that night. So I know we were Chicago fans, uh, but long story short, you know, even like Michael Jordan or something like that, where they, you know, you set the moment and you prepare for it and you, you do all this preparation to get to that, to, to be ready for that. So when it does show up, it's like, bam. And then people go, hey, look at your overnight size. You blew up. And it's like, no, no, no. I've been doing this for a very long time of preparing <laughs> yeah. to get to that point so that I had, I was ready for that opportunity. Cause if I wasn't, then, you know, all of a sudden, here we go, I show up and I don't do that well and I don't shine. And then all of a sudden, I don't, my whole career doesn't blow up like it does. Uh, I, I'll tell you, it's, uh, yeah, it's something. And, you know, it's funny when something really meaningful happens in your life, like when I, back to the Tony and Tina, I never actually talked about this, but Back to the Tony and Tina's wedding thing. The first time I had ever actually seen Tony and Tina's, I went, I was on a date. I was 18 or 19 years old, and I took someone on a date there. And it's funny, I wasn't even into acting back then, Vic, but I remember looking at the stage, looking at the dais, they call it. The dais was where the bride and groom uh, sat with the wedding party, and then it's, you know, half, there's a little script and stuff, and then it goes into improv. But I, I just remember seeing myself there. 
you know? And same thing when I'm speaking at the pizza expo, when I was, when I was watching speakers back then, um, I would see myself giving my own seminar. Now, you know, again, I'm talking some really weird things too. Not that my accomplishments are these, you know, the greatest accomplishments ever, but just to kind of tell you, you know, where we're from, what we did growing up, um, we didn't see this type of stuff happening. So for my mind to even go there, when I'm 18 years old, never taking a theater class and saying, wow, I see myself there. Or same when I, you know, the first expo, I'm I'm looking at there on stage. I'm like, wow, I see myself there. Like you literally, not literally, you really have to be able to see yourself doing something, right? We have to see ourselves doing something and, and then put the belief that, that we can do it. And then obviously there's a lot of steps you have to take to get there. But, you know, what, what's really, really sad is that people a lot of people just sell themselves short and they don't even allow themselves to dream anymore. Right. And a lot of times it's because they have failed and they have that fear of failure and they have that fear of rejection. Whereas like you just said, every professional athlete, Michael Jordan, one of his famous quotes is that, um, and I'm not, I'm going to get it wrong, but I'll paraphrase it, but you know, he was trusted to take the game winning shot. I think it was a hundred times and you know, only 11 of them went in, but he kept on shooting. Right. So for some reason, um, you know, and, and I had, a again, with a couple of failures in my life, it took me hard to, it took me some time to, to heal and to move forward. But at the end of the day, you have to get up and keep fighting and moving forward or else you're just gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be happy. I mean, I think a lot of unhappiness stems from people knowing that they're able to do more and they're not doing it or they haven't done it. Yeah. I mean, that's regret, right? You know, what's the number one thing that people when they're on their dying bed, I regret that I didn't do this. I didn't take the time to do this. I didn't take the risk or chance to do this. And I think that's, you know, the essence of doing what you're sharing is a way to, uh, for individuals to not have that life of, of regret, you know, and you do got to keep moving forward because those shortcomings are, they're not, they're not, you know, we were just talking about this before, right? The hurricane thing. It's one of those things, those, those short time, the storms always pass. They're, they're going to, they're going to get through, but there's always that, um, there's things we can learn along the way. And that's how what, you know, anything in life, if you look at the universe, nature, even our own body, um, without stress, it doesn't grow. Yeah. Huh. Just, yeah. But do you know, it's, you know, you may, I'm trying to think some other, I'm trying to think some other parts of your story. I'm like looking here going, all right, what else can we, we extrapolate? There's so much to take from that. How was that journey? Was it an easy transition? Cause I remember when you were doing the productions and you were in there going the acting route and stuff like that. How, was it just an easy transition? Cause you know, sometimes people think transitions are so easy, but they don't realize the, the energy and, you know, I'm going through one right now. And it's one of those things where, um, did you were just like, you know what, it's, it is what it is. I got the love of my life here acting done i'm moving on to getting back into the pizzeria biz was it a smooth transition or was it one of those things where you were kind of like you had to think about it for a second it wasn't as a clean of a decision like that you had it you were going back and forth you had this inner battle with yourself or was it just you just chose i'm going back to pizza and that's the end of it well i tell you what Vic. at that time um 13 years ago i was very this was after i produced the film and uh, I had somewhat of a resume and a lot of my friends were in uh, a lot of the actors I've acted with in Chicago. A lot of them, you know, you know, I was a little bit younger than them, but this was the age where people, you would move on from Chicago and you would go to LA and try to make it happen. And I was very close a few times to, to leaving, but something in me 
I, I think it was a lot of it was fear. A lot of it was uh, I, I I had it. I felt not that my family did it, but I always felt an obligation to be here and help my family. Had I just walked away, it was one thing if I was focusing more on a on a production and uh, and I was uh, you know whether I was in rehearsals for a play or I was performing five times a week or whether I was writing and we were you know we were producing the film, I was always here. I was always able to help out with the business if they needed help to step in to overlook businesses. I always still worked you know had my my job and did my part. So the idea of me not being here from my family for some reason always never sat well with me. And that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to, I didn't move to California. The other reason was I did fear. What if I do go there? Cause you know, as an actor, like some people will go to California if that's your dream to be an actor and say, well, I'm going to go for a year. And if nothing happens, I come back. Well, you know, you and I are smart enough and I was smart enough back then to know if you're going, you're going forever. And you know, you're going to, you're going to try to make it forever. So I was scared of that. I was scared of that. I, you know, I was scared of, of not having financial security, uh, stability. I was scared, you know, one of the, my uh, really great uh, act, actor friends, she's a girl, she's still out, a woman, she's uh, still out there, but she, you know, she always saw so much potential in me in, in Tony and Tina's wedding. And she said, you know, the problem with you is that you're never going to be okay being hungry. You're never going to be okay starving and that's why you'll never go out to california and that's why you'll never make it as as much as 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 uh as much as i think you could make it and again i don't know if she was right about the second part of what she believed but she was right that i was scared i didn't want to go to california without a backing i didn't want to go to california and try to figure out a job and try to try to scrape it together at that point in time in my life i i was scared of being hungry because Again, it was fear again, Vic. You know, when I grew up in those Italy years before we came back, before my father started that business, uh, when we came back, it was, uh, you know, we, uh, we, you know, we, we weren't dirt poor, but we, I didn't have everything that I wanted. So I always had that fear. Um, and that's one of the reasons I, I didn't go to California. And then here comes this, uh, this hurricane that storms into my life, you know, that kind of changed my perspective on anything. And at that point, nothing else mattered to me other than how do I get this girl to marry me? Cause that's, that's all that I wanted. But, um, the point is I still ended up, you know, performing, which again, what is happiness? It's doing what you love. I, my happiest point in life and where I feel truly free and truly the happiest Vic is when I'm on stage. It wasn't even film. I've, I've done a lot of student films. I've done a lot of short films. I've done you know the feature film. I've done other feature film. And the film work never satisfied me because the film work was very technical, very mechanical. It, it's cut. It's restart. Do the same scene five times over. It wasn't me. Where I really, really felt alive and what I loved about acting was the theater, was being on stage, was being, you know, was was improving, living in the moment. And there's nothing like, and that was all my, my training in acting too, was being in the moment, uh, the Meisner technique. So now I get to do that on stage with my with my seminars, right? Now I get to do that in my videos, my um my motivational videos that I put out there once in a while that I have a series of like 10 of them that I'm scheduled to, to do as well and put them out. So I'm able to grab all that, that I loved doing and, uh, and still do it. Cause when I'm on stage, I, you know, I have my prepared script and I have my, 
my uh, slides, but I always ad lib. And, and like we're doing on this conversation, let's see where it flows. We've talked about it, right? Because I think the best things in life, the best moments in life are those organic, spontaneous moments that come out of nowhere. They're not premeditated, right? That big burst of inspiration, that big thought, that big idea that just comes to you out of nowhere, whether God puts it there, whether it's the universe, whether it's been inside you and it was just dying to get out. And that's what really brings me the biggest satisfaction and the biggest joy. And so I'm able to be on stage again, um, not only at that seminar, but at other seminars as well now. And hopefully I can continue uh, doing that because that's what really, really, truly makes me happy. See, that's where, you know, it's, I, I use this phrase a lot and I talk about how the universe works. And sometimes it does this in a sense where you want to go in a certain direction, and you want to choose to have this experience. And then what happens is you have to trust and let go and then let them know that the universe knows more than you, right? Or God knows more than you or whoever you want to call that to be. And so you ask for that apple and it gives you an orange. But at the end of the day, you have fruit. You asked for fruit. That's what you're really asking. <laughs> and, and that's no, kind of like your story. Because I, yeah. I remember you were great at what you did. You've been very talented in what you did. I've always saw you doing when I remember when you were going. I even went to one of your uh, theater acting shows. Like, I forgot where it was. It was in Forest Park, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, John Patrick Shan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my God. There you He's go. Playwright. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, it was one of those things where, and you were good, you were amazing. And it's what, and, and I loved, I loved seeing you there. And it was one of those things where, but yet that was not your destiny, right? And sometimes things may come up in a way that we may not understand at the moment. I mean, it's been from your acting days to now where you are now. I mean, there's been a little bit of a gap in time, but at the same token, now all of a sudden you're like, yeah, but this is what I'm doing now. And I love this more than anything else. Right. This is what I've been wanting to do. And I'm so excited to be here. And that's that's sometimes the essence of, you know, knowing that the universe does have your back and has does support you in every step of the way. And most time we just got to get out of the way and let it do its thing. Yeah. Um, back, back to that question, too, though, something about when you had to, like, you know, release that you asked me about uh, with the acting. I'll tell you one thing, though, even though I kind of knew I had to choose a different path for what I wanted. I never gave up on my dream. That's very, very important. You know, till this day, I, I still haven't given up on it. I still write. I still have some screenplays. I still, um, I still haven't given up. Now, like you said, too, you know, sometimes they give you an orange instead of an apple, but it's still fruit. Yeah, because I think ultimately what I love doing, and I think you share the same passion, too, is we love touching people. We love inspiring people. We love motivating people, right? And that's something that I, you know, not only that I feel free on stage portraying other characters, but as an artist, you want the biggest compliment you can get as an artist is that you made somebody feel something, right? So your favorite film of all time, that's why when someone says, oh, what's the best movie ever? Well, there is no best movie, just like there is no best pizza. You just have your favorite movie, or you have your favorite pizza because everybody, everything's subjective. Everybody has different tastes. Everything has everything. But if you ever watch a film or watch a movie and you walk out of that movie and you have no opinion, no feeling about it, then then the artist is going to be so disappointed. Now, you could watch one of my performances, you could watch one of my films, and you could come out of there angry, and I'm going to be happy because I was able to make you feel something. So, and that's, that's just something with artists, and, you know, sometimes even with, with paintings and sculptures, stuff that, like, the normal person, like you and I, who hasn't studied art, we're going to look at a, we might look at the Mona Lisa and not understand 
anything about it other than you know, what's the big deal about this picture? I've seen a million like them versus an art student that's going to really understand uh, not only technique, but uh, the emotive, the emotions of that particular piece of art and what that's making you feel. And I think, you know, what was it about? What is it about acting and writing and, and all this stuff that, that, that I love is, is, is making, a diff, making an impact on someone being able to move them. I love that. Yeah, it's, uh, it, I love how you still to this day keep up with that side of you because it's something that I don't think we should ever let other passions of ours die down in some, sh- some way, shape, or form. And it's, it's one of those, those concepts that uh, we got to keep beating them. Because it, it, we are, we have multiple gifts. We have many things that we want to share. I think there's a movement of like, you know, a lot of times they say be good at one thing and just master that. And I'm all about that. But when you get really good at that and you master it to a certain degree, uh, then it's like, okay, what other things can I learn? What other things can I get better at? What other things can I? And keeping that craft is huge because you never know what the future holds. There may be a day down the road where you're like, you know what? Pizza's been great. I'm selling everything, living off a big fat check, and I'm going to start being a producer again. Who knows? No, you don't know. You really don't know in this life. It's a, it's a crazy life. It's a crazy world. And, uh, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe that is something one day. You know? uh, I haven't closed the door on it. So, you know, and, uh, and you know, maybe it's, uh, like I said, I've never closed the door. I've always wanted to, to get to the, and this is, I think, important with a lot of people. And this is the conversation about money. Everybody wants to make money, wants to make money, wants to make money. Well, it's not the money that makes you happy, Vic, right? It's, it's the freedom. You know, if, if you have the money, you, now you can get the freedom to do whatever you want. You have the time to do what you want. Because I'll tell you what, if you are making a lot of money, I don't care if you're a billionaire, but you're constantly working, um, you know, 18, 19 hours a day. It's not only working 18, hour, 18 19 hours a day, because if you're doing what you love, then it doesn't feel like working. But if you're doing something that you hate, even I don't care how much money you're making, it's not going to, you're not going to be happy. You're just not going to be happy. So um, ultimately, you know, to be able to to be in a position where you can buy your freedom and really work on whatever it is you want to work, that to me is is real happiness and real richness. You know, not what's in your bank account, not what you own. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I've, I've gone through that experience. I've shared that with you. I've, my listeners have heard me talk about that before, and it's one of those things where um, I think it's it's aligning it to what matters most, and and really just what you know, leading it in your terms. Because for me, it was listening to so many others and 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 achieving that level. But then there comes a point. Well, but this is not how I wanted to do it, or how I want to express it to the world, or what matters most to me, and how in the terms I want to do it. And I think there's something about being authentic with yourself in what you truly want to experience. And I think when you get to choose, imagine this: you get to choose the experience, and then you go after it, and you make that happen. That's leading a fulfilled life, in my opinion, because you're you're able to step into your power and be like, I got the. Ch- this is how I wanted to do it. This is how I wanted to leave my mark or leave my path or whatever that was. And you achieved that. And I think that's the true essence of, of, of leading a fulfilled life. Yeah. Um, again, we're still young, so there's a lot more fulfilling we need to get done here, but we're definitely on the, on the path. I mean, you and I, it's funny. We used to, we used to have our, were we doing monthlies or weeklies at one point when we would do our, our, uh, our coffee meetings. It was, I think we did um, weekly for a little bit and then we did monthly at some point and then it got into months. Harder, harder. Yeah. Um, and we're talking, this was over five years ago. So it's funny. And I always use you as an example that some of the things you used to talk about back then 
and you know your vision board and, and just so many things is you're actually manifesting them now you know um so um you know it's a powerful sometimes we get we get it's hard and this is good for the, anybody listening like sometimes you get so hard you get so stuck in, in working so hard in, in your every day that you don't stop and just kind of look around you and take a good inventory on, on where you're at. And then you kind of realize like, oh, shit, this is exactly what I wanted. Or I'm, I, this is what I, I was setting out to do. You know? um, it's kind of like, you know, you've talked about, too, you know, being in the eye of the hurricane. Well, that eye of the hurricane, everything is calm and everything is beautiful. And then once you step into the, the hurricane, obviously it, it's a disaster. And life can be that hurricane. Um, but sometimes, you know, because we get stuck in that everyday hur hurricane, you know, we, we just forget to kind of just step into the eye of that storm and look around you and look at how truly blessed we are. I just didn't realize until right now, Vic, I'm really, truly blessed. I get to do things now that I've always dreamt about doing. I've always wanted to do the past, you know, 15 years of my life, right? Um, but you kind of, it's, it's really, really easy to, to forget and to realize that and, and see how blessed you are. So. Um, everyone, I, I hope everyone is, is better than me at just kind of hitting that pause button, looking around and being very, very grateful for, for what they have. And, um, and I'm, I'm not a big pat yourself on the back type of guy. I wasn't raised that way. Um, I, I do it with myself. I wasn't raised that way, but once in a while, pat yourself on the back and, uh, and congratulate yourself for doing a good job and, and then get back to get back to the grind. But, um, it's uh, it's kind of funny. I think I look back at our meetings and kind of what we're both doing right now, and it's yeah, it's, we're kind of in sync with what we talk about. It's amazing how it works, man. I'll tell you, it's amazing how everything just aligns, and you just keep showing. You just keep again. It's your focus. I always tell people, you got to just focus every day, just moving forward, keep your momentum moving. Just how do you move the needle? Uh, don't worry about where you, how far, you know, how, how close are you or where you're at from where you want to be. And you just, then you, you just, just continue doing it. And eventually it just happens. You sit back and you're like, wow, holy cow. We talked about that. Or we had those conversations or I was going through something and I looked and I had like, it was me writing out like visions of what I wanted to do and, and stuff like that. And I look at some of them, I'm like, huh, I'm doing that right now. That's funny. Wow. That's interesting. Wow. I wanted to have that. Oh, it did happen. Holy cow. And it's just like, I totally forgot about half that stuff, <laughs> but I had the intention. I set the tone for that. So no, it's so true. Um, Posh, for everybody listening, how can they follow you, get a hold of you and, and just see, you know, keep up with you and connect with you? Yeah. So I'm not really, I, you know, I need to learn. Uh, I still tell everybody at my seminars too. I'm very, very old school when it comes to stuff. Uh, I haven't mastered the social media stuff, but my website is pasqualdidiana.com, P-A-S-Q-U-A-L-E, D-I-D-I-A-N-A.com. And uh, you could, you know, get a hold of me easily through there. Uh, social media. And you know what? I'll throw it out there too. Text me anytime. 708-369-5369. Uh, Feel free. I respond to everybody, no matter who it is. Anybody at my seminars, I've always responded to. I might not respond right away. I might respond uh, a few weeks later, but or a few days later, but uh, I will always respond. And if there's anything I could help you with, any piece of advice, uh, I'm willing uh, and wanting to help. Here's the, one more thing, Vic. I didn't mention it. So the last seminar I had, talking about one of these organic, inspired moments ad-libbed on, uh, on stage. And I do truly believe that 
the magic of life happens in the ad lib. What I mean is, you know, I got I'm working on a video too about this, but like, you know, a lot of people, Robert De Niro, who I can most, a lot of people consider the finest actor of our lifetime, but many consider the finest actor of our lifetime. If you, if you ever watch the scene in taxi driver where he's, he's saying, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? He's in the mirror with the gun. Yep. One of the most famous scenes of all time. And uh, people don't realize that Martin Scorsese, the director of the film, he used to let him, meaning Robert De Niro, improvise a lot, a lot of stuff. And that scene was Robert De Niro digging into the psychosis of the character. That scene was born out of Robert De Niro ad-libbing. It was never written in the script. It was never practiced. It was just the camera rolling. And he was just being this character. And that was born out of it. Um, The same thing happens with athletes all the time right athletes quarterbacks they will you know rehearse pardon they will practice the same play a million times three-step draw hit the receiver in the flank they'll do it a million a million a million times but the truly great ones what what are they able to do Vic they're able to see okay that receiver's covered I need to scramble I need to ad lib Russell Wilson and and take off for a 60-yard touchdown right it's all in the ad lib and I think um life's greatest moments are, are just being prepared as much as you can doing the work and then just letting that instinct take over and living in the ad lib. But back to the inspired part, I hate that I'm all over the place. Sometimes I have a problem, but at my last seminar, it was, uh, the one we just did in March. Uh, this one was, uh, this one, ironically, Vic, this one was about, uh, pizza by the slice. So the first seminar I ever saw that this Doug Fairman had, I actually taught that this year, uh, full circle. But in the seminar, I covered a lot of uh, just restaurant stuff, not just pizza by the slice, because restaurant operators uh, and entrepreneurs, you need to hear basics of just being an entrepreneur, being a business owner and how rough that can be and how you need to be physically and mentally and emotionally prepared for anything that comes your way. But one of my biggest regrets, and I I don't even know how I got there, I'd have to go watch the, the video again, but I said and pardon my crude language right now for the people out there. But I said, one of my biggest uh, regrets in life was that I would, that I was too much of a pussy to ask for help. I was too much of a pussy to ask for help. Vic, I just started asking people for help within the last year. And I'm, you know, and had I known that, well, had I known this 15 years ago, you know, I, I, you know, my life probably could have been in a different direction right now. Meaning, what do I mean by that? I just mean like people sometimes at these expos get intimidated to ask me for help. I am willing and I want to help anyone and everyone I possibly can in any way that I can, obviously. Don't ask me for money. I don't have any. But in any other way, I am willing and wanting to uh, to help everyone. And there are so many great people out there Um you know, the two people that I just interviewed, you know, they, they are 50 year veterans of the pizza industry. I didn't even think I would ever get a response from them. I ended up having two and a half hour conversations on the phone with them. They were sharing every little detail of every little thing possible. Um, you would think like secrets of the trade. They were open books Like they literally did not hold back because they want to help. Most successful people want to help. And we just can't be scared to ask for help, you know? And I wish I didn't have that, uh, uh, for years. And that was another thing. It just dawned on me while I was giving this presentation. I don't know where my mind went, what came out. I wasn't even talking about that. And uh, next thing I knew is that this uh, blurred out my mouth. It was one of my biggest regrets. So 
anyone, uh, if I can help anyone with anything, uh, there's my info. The website, PasqualDiana.com. Text me at 708-369-5369. Ask for help, people. You'll be amazed who's going to reach out. It's the same thing for me. I thought, you know, I was the same way. And, uh, you know, then you just start saying you reach out and it's amazing the response you, you'll get. You'll be more shocked often than none. Uh, Pasha, it was a pleasure. I'm glad we finally did this. Uh, glad to have you on. I'm amazed and appreciate all your success that you've done. Uh, very proud of you. Uh, you're, you're a brother to me, even though we're cousins, uh, for all the listeners, he is a cousin of mine, but uh, he is, you're more like a brother to me than anything else. And I just greatly appreciate, uh, seeing, seeing what you have accomplished so far and see, I feel like it's just the beginning for you. Like, even though there's a long journey you've been on, I just see the beginning. Like, I just feel like this is a, in 10 years from now, you're going to, we're going to be talking and I'm going to be like, remember that beginning I said, I was like, now do you see it? And you'll be like, oh, okay. And now I shall you meant. I don't know if you feel that way. That's how I feel with my life right now. <laughs> like everything I've done, I'm like, this is just the beginning right now. Yeah, I, I feel that way. And, and it's hard because some days you feel like, uh, you know, you kind of feel lost. And, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Like you said, though, uh, what did you say earlier about the stress? Um, you only grow in stress or you, you stress only occur in order to grow. You need stress in life in order to grow. It happens in every element. Like, for example, like trees. The trees that get faced with the most wind end up being the strongest. Yeah. And uh, wow, that's uh, that's another great quote I'm going to take with you. Uh, Vic, I love you. Thank you so much for, for having me. We could talk uh, for hours and hours and hours. I know uh, hopefully we'll be talking uh, in the next few weeks when uh, when uh, your little princess arrives. And um, yeah, like I said, I... Uh, I don't know. I just feel honored and blessed. And, and hopefully this is the beginning of, uh, of, uh, uh, a long journey fill, uh, filled with, uh, fulfillment, you know, and, uh, you know, and that's it. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.